Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Sunday, April the 29th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have an extended version of the podcast for you guys as the roster is just about set for the summertime. With the draft in the rearview mirror, we are going to go position by position and break down this roster, setting up expectations for each position group, what we can expect from a philosophical standpoint, and we'll end it with a record prediction for the upcoming season. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFit. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for the Dolphins Rookie Guide up right now as we talk about each rookie in depth and what their role on the 2018 Dolphins will be. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And we've got a busy show for you guys today, so let's go ahead and get right into it. That's another Miami Dolphins so let's just go ahead and run over the draft here real quick and just talk about the players the Dolphins got really quickly off the top of the show. Mika Fitzpatrick in the first round, Mike Gasicki, the tight end from Penn State in the second round, third round, Jerome Baker, outside linebacker out of Ohio State. In the fourth round, they go tight end again out of Notre Dame. That is Durham Smythe. He's an inline blocker. And then running back a few picks later, Kalen Balaj from Arizona State. Cornell Armstrong is a sixth-round pick. He is a cornerback from Southern Miss. Linebacker Quentin Poling from Ohio, the MAC conference gets represented here by the Miami Dolphins and then in the seventh round again the Dolphins go for a kicker Jason Sanders out of New Mexico a personally hand-picked player by Darren Rizzi the Dolphins special teams coach so the Dolphins draft is off and running and over with and the plan was clear from the start as the entire offseason was the vision all to go ahead and prioritize certain things for this football team going forward the first one was the fact that these guys do prioritize football and it's their first priority of their life. We talked about it with Mika Fitzpatrick on his episode, how it's really all that matters to him. Intelligence on the field, guys that can diagnose, that they know they're supposed to be, they do the right things at the right times. And then speed and athleticism. The Dolphins absolutely killed the draft in terms of their measurables, their combine workout numbers. And I know a lot of fans don't like to see that in terms of basing your draft off that. But the Dolphins did it in a way where they had the film back up the workouts as well too. So it wasn't just about workout warriors and guys running around in gym shorts without helmets on. They had the film to back it up and put a priority on getting guys that can infuse this defense and offense with speed and athleticism. Because it's something they haven't had for a long time at linebacker with Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons, not the fastest of guys. They really put a shot in the arm to the defense with Minka, Jerome Baker, and then obviously Gasicki on the offense. They've done a lot with the running backs, the receivers in terms of speed, Kalen Balaj, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant. All these guys they brought in bring more speed, more explosiveness to the football team. So they're going to have a lot more big play opportunities both on offense and defense. As far as the draft goes, it was more about a high floor, not a lot of boom or bust in the mix there. I personally think that Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be a Pro Bowl player. 
I think Mike Gusecki could be a Pro Bowl player. He is the perfect option and has a chance to become the rookie of the year running the types of routes he will run in this offense. It's a pretty much straight over conversion from what he did at Penn State. Not going to be a lot of transition there for him. So I think he will get acclimated very, very quickly into this offense running Gaze's Y-ISO system. And then the rest of the draft seems like a lot of role players with the exception of Kalen Balazs, who I think could be very special. Kind of a one-cut runner, very, very fast strider, long strider, can get into the open field and make guys pay for not getting him down sooner. A big target, good pass catching threat that we talked about him a little bit yesterday on both Twitter and on the Locked On Dolphins piece. But the rest of the guys, Jerome Baker seems like more of a nickel linebacker. You know, the other guys later in the draft was... It seems strange for some fans, but they definitely filled some needs there. Durham Smythe is more known as a blocking tight end, but Adam Gates will tell you that he can do more as a receiver. He averaged 16 yards per catch at Notre Dame, albeit just on 15 catches throughout the course of his career. But he has good sideline awareness, good body control, that type of thing. So the draft in general, I would have gone Derwin over Minka. You guys knew that already. I would have taken Shaquem Griffin over Jerome Baker. You guys knew that as well. But that's revisionist history at this point, and it's why I give the draft in general, a B plus, not the A everyone else seems to be giving it on Dolphins Twitter. And the thing you got to remember is that draft grades mean absolutely nothing except for satisfying your own personal agenda. And that's kind of what I'm doing here. So just you guys can take my opinion for what it is. We'll find out in a few years. We've gone over the draft classes on the podcast before leading up to the draft, talking about how these draft classes didn't work out and how certain guys were busts. And we probably thought the same thing about those guys going back. So we'll see what happens. We need two to three years to figure out what this draft class is going to be. But just kind of to remind you guys why you really shouldn't pay attention too much to what the national guys say and just pay attention to the local markets. And I know that's kind of pat my own back, but just to stroke my own ego a little bit here, Things have gone pretty much how I said they would go in terms of the off-season plan. I, I wrote a plan back in February talking about, maybe it was even January, talking about what I would do if I was at the controls for the Miami Dolphins, and they did the same things that I did in that piece. They replaced the left guard and the center. That was a big contention for me on the offensive line, getting new guys into those positions. I mentioned Josh Sitton there as well, so didn't have Dan Kilgar on the radio on the radar, but I'm happy with that signing, that acquisition. They remade the tight end room entirely. I thought maybe there would be a, a free agent signing and a draft pick. They go two draft picks to go ahead and get themselves their top two tight ends on the roster. And then the draft order went exactly how I thought in terms of position by position through the first three rounds, going safety, going tight end, going linebacker, addressing the big need we talked about on this podcast all along. And they didn't address the quarterback at all. I thought it'd be a mid-round pick at best. They don't take one quarterback. Ryan Tannehill is the guy. They move forward with him. And I guess you guys can say that I'm kind of harping on one particular guy on Twitter right now. That's Chad Forbes. He is at NFL Draft Bites. He is the guy that guaranteed the Dolphins would go up for Josh Rosen. He was the guy that was perpetuating the rumor all offseason saying the Dolphins want to trade up. They're going to trade up. They're going to trade up to the Colts, to the Broncos, to the Browns, to the Giants. Whoever they want to trade up with, they're going to make it happen because they don't believe in Ryan Tannehill. They do. (laughs) He's the quarterback. I mean, I've I've been on that hill for a while now. We're going to die on that hill with Ryan Tannehill, but just pay attention to the local guys and you'll be better off for it. All right, that's enough bickering from me. Let's get into this roster on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. We have plenty to get to. We're going to talk about all the positions, stat predictions, all the stuff that goes into that, where the death chart will fall come August and get into everything for the 2018 Miami Dolphins on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. At the start of the offseason, we talked about the possibility of basing this passing game around Ryan Tannehill and building the offense around him and his return to the Dolphins, and that's exactly what has happened here. Every move has been built around this short rhythm passing game 
solidifying a finesse pass blocking centric offensive line, getting receivers with high efficiency rates, guys that can make plays after the catch and running backs that can contribute in the passing game. We saw Kenyon Drake flex out wide against the Patriots for a go route from the slot. We saw him run a slant inside in the same position. We've seen Kalen Balazs do a lot of that stuff at Arizona State. We've seen Frank Gore do everything with the Colts and the Niners before that. But let's go ahead and get into the quarterbacks first and talk about Ryan Tannehill as he is the lone man standing. The Dolphins obviously feel good about his health. We saw all the social media videos all offseason with Tannehill doing workouts, with Tannehill being the schedule wallpaper background. Everything they did pointed to Ryan Tannehill. It all came to fruition. He is the quarterback now. He is the quarterback going forward. Obviously, if something happens to him this year, you'd probably address the quarterback position very early on in the draft next year. Perhaps maybe even sell off some capital at the trade deadline if things are going poorly to acquire more picks to move up. But that's for another day for another podcast. Right now, it's Ryan Tannehill's team. There are no challengers. The backup job is up for grabs. Between Brock Osweiler and David Fales, and we know that's a very, very rough sounding group of quarterbacks there, or pair of quarterbacks, I should say, but the idea is that Ryan Tannehill's fine. They're going to be able to play him for 16 games. Just remember that he was a Ironman of sorts before a borderline illegal hit from Calais Campbell took out his knee and robbed him of 19 consecutive games, unfortunately for the Dolphins and for Tannehill as he was playing his best ball in 2016. Just really unfortunate situation for Tannehill to get hit with something like that after having a career where he got beat up so much and kept coming back for more. And you have other quarterbacks out there like Andrew Luck, who has missed 26 of his last 45 games, who hasn't thrown a football in 16 months. You have Carson Wentz, who tore his ACL in December. Deshaun Watson tore his ACL in October. All of these guys are talked about in the same vein as once they get their quarterbacks back, they'll be fine. But somehow Ryan Tannehill has caught in the opposite vibe where because he has the knee injury, and I understand he heard it a second time on a non-contact where he was going to the sideline, took a funky step, it buckled on him, didn't hold up, knee goes out. But with reconstructive surgery is the way to go over, you know, untraditional rehab and stem cell and all the stuff he did. The Dolphins obviously would do a redo on that if they could. But here we are going forward. They feel good about it. I'm going to feel good about it. We get our quarterback back. A big, big upgrade over Jay Cutler. I expect the Dolphins to chuck the football all over the lot this this coming season. They obviously did a lot with the offensive line. The receivers we talked about. It's going to be a 600-time passing offense. High completion percentage. Good touchdown to interception ratio with a very safe built-in program to prevent interceptions. Tannehill's one area of struggle in that in throwing picks has been the not being able to identify linebackers slipping off of zone coverage or robbers coming down into the box and making a play and kind of just not being able to identify the defense. So I think the offense will predicate around making those reads less impactful in the offense and getting the ball out of his hands quickly. I am fully, fully expecting a top 10 passer rating from Ryan Tannehill and a first Pro Bowl appearance this year. You heard it here first. Ryan Tannehill to the Pro Bowl this year for the Miami Dolphins. Going on to the running back position, obviously Kenyon Drake is the primary back. Frank Gore is going to be the short yardage and early on third down back as Kalen Balaj gets worked into the offense more as the year goes on. We've seen that with rookie running backs in the past. If you guys watched the All or Nothing series on Amazon, the first season with the Arizona Cardinals, Bruce Arians kept talking about how he wanted to kind of slowly work David Johnson into the offense. 
And I think that's going to be something similar we're going to see with Kalen Balaj, where he gets a little bit of time to get worked in. Although he is a ready-made pass catcher out of the backfield, he is very, very physically gifted in terms of being able to contort his body. And that comes into play a lot on those flat routes, the play-action game, where you have to turn your back to the quarterback and catch the ball with your eyes back to the quarterback and not seeing the defense. Kind of tough to really take into account where the defense is as you catch the football. So there's a good gif I put on Twitter of him doing that exact thing. But his pass protection has a lot to be desired at this point in time could get better in that area we saw Kenyon Drake get better in that area but I think this is going to be a three-headed monster at least early on Frank Gore might get kind of phased out as the year goes on but I'm very excited about this group all three guys offer complete flexibility you can keep the same packages the same playbook in mind when any running back is in the game for this guy so they will be other ones on the roster Sonoris Perry figures to be the fourth running back. I think they'll keep him again for special teams. So I would go with Drake, Gore, Balage, and Perry. And then Balage will be the number two running back eventually at some point. I didn't give you guys my prediction for the quarterback. Ryan Tannehill, obviously the starter. I think Brock Osweiler will be his backup this year. So David Fells is the one that gets cut. Going on to wide receiver. I can't seem to sort this group outside of Kenny Stills at all. Now, Kenny Stills is the top one. I think that's a given. He's going to be the guy that plays every single snapper, at least close to it early on. He'll be the guy when they run 12 personnel with only one wide receiver on the field that stays in the game. And the Dolphins have been a primarily 11 personnel offense for Adam Gaze, under Adam Gaze, I should say. And they have basically ran the same three receivers out there over and over again, 85% of the snaps plus, which doesn't give you a lot of flexibility in terms of different types of packaging. You kind of have to run the same offense, especially when you have the same tight end and Julius Thomas doing the same thing there too. So I think there's going to be a lot more mix up. There's going to be a lot more variation in terms of snap counts for these receivers. Like I said, I don't know what's going to happen. On my board that I have here that I've shared with you guys on Twitter, I have Kenny Stills as a 75% or more snap taker this year. And then I have a group of three players, Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, and Jakeem Grant, all in the 50 to 75% range, so a little bit less for them. And then Danny Amendola, I have 25 to 50, but that's probably closer to the 50 mark there. I just don't know how they're going to sort it. There's going to be definitely a week-by-week plan for this offense, and it's going to be a new hero every single week. And then Devontae Parker, I mean, what do we expect out of him? You just don't know what's going to happen with these guys. I do expect that Kenny Stills, Jakeem Grant, and Albert Wilson will all be over 800 yards and challenging for 1,000 this year to kind of help the Dolphins' passing offense become what it's supposed to be, what it was always going to be under Adam Gay. So the wide receiver group, very excited about it. I just can't quite sort it yet. Off the top, I'll go with Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Danny Amendola. And if they keep a six wide receiver, I would go Leonte Carew, but I will have them keeping only five receivers because I'm going to keep four tight ends as we move into this group next. Like I talked about at the top of the podcast, Mike Gesicki is ideal for the Y-ISO in Adam Gaze's offense. He runs the same routes this offense. He ran the same routes at Penn State that he's going to run in the Miami Dolphins offense. And Ryan Tannehill talked about it when Adam Gaze was first hired. I wrote a piece on LockedOnDolphins.com talking about AJ Derby, Marquise Gray, and just kind of getting a philosophical, you know, plan from the Dolphins in terms of what they do with the tight end position. And Tannehill said that tight ends in this offense have to be versatile. They have to be able to do multiple things. We heard Adam Gay say that Mike Gusecki is a better blocker than most people give him credit for. And you have to be able to pass protect as a tight end in this offense. They will keep tight ends in for the pass blocking game in this offense. Also, you're not just going to run flat routes and stick routes and hitch routes. It's going to be corner routes. It's going to be crossing routes. It's going to be run to the post, down the seam. So they expect a lot out of the tight end. Mike Kosicki's athleticism, rebound ability, and red zone threat provides all of that. And then Durham Smythe, the other draft pick, the fourth round draft pick from Notre Dame, 
provides a reliable 12 personnel option that you can run the ball better with in the red zone because you go two tight ends on either side. It keeps flexibility open. It keeps the play action game in mind because you look at some of his film at Notre Dame, it's very, very limited. Just 16 catches, like we mentioned, or excuse me, 15 catches for 16 yards per. He has good body control. He has a good understanding of where he is in the field, and that kind of stuff can come into play down in the red zone. So I expect a lot better running game in the red zone with a lot more play action passing and touchdowns to the tight ends. I can see these two tight ends catching double-digit tight ends in their rookie season for the Miami Dolphins. So the red zone offense greatly improved with these two guys. And then I have A.J. Derby and Marquise Gray both making the roster. Derby more is a ready-made replacement in case something were to happen to Gusecki. And then Marquise Gray will be a matchup piece, like a 10%, 15% snap taker that can come in as an H back as an up back take the ball on short yardage carries maybe do some wham blocking where he goes across the formation and clears out the backside he's going to be a guy they use in very very specialty packages so Gasicki, Durham Smythe, AJ Derby, Marquise Gray are tight ends moving on to the offensive line I this group is as good as it has been since Ryan Tannehill has been here from the starters absolutely and the depth even more so you go Laramie Tunzel, Josh Sitton and Dan Kilgore the new acquisitions from the Chicago Bears and San Francisco 49ers both excel in pass protection Josh Sitton was a top five pass protector via PFF's grades last year and Dan Kilgore was once they took C.J. Beathard out of the lineup where everyone on that Niners offensive line struggled when he was in the game. But when you had Brian Hoyer or Jimmy Garoppolo, Dan Kilgore was very, very solid. He's a big-time team leader. He's been with the club doing the voluntary workouts already. At right guard, you have Jesse Davis, who I think might be one of the best ones on this line, which is saying a whole lot considering the talent the Dolphins have on the offensive line. Jesse Davis was... He showed more athleticism than you'd expect him to have last year in his limited role towards the end of the season. At right tackle, Jawan James, I think very highly of him as long as he stays healthy. Again, another great pass protector, really held Joey Bosa off the off the stat sheet in that first game last year. So the starting quality is fantastic. The depth is even better. Sam Young is a very, very adequate Swing tackle for the Dolphins. Ted Larson on the interior. He is a good backup interior lineman. Don't love him as a starter. Love him as a backup. Then you have Jake Brendel and Isaac Asiata and Eric Smith. And the Dolphins figure to keep eight or nine of these guys. I'm going to go with eight. That is a tough a tough room to crack there. I'll go with... I'm going to go with Jake Brendel, and they're going to cut Isaac Asiata to maybe try to sneak him onto the practice squad again. I just don't think that they really felt good about his development last year. I just don't know if they're going to be confident in him going forward. But we will see what happens come training camp. We have more to talk about here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, including the entire defense at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. I raved up and down about the offense on the first portion of the podcast, and the defense, I'm not quite all the way there yet. I am excited and encouraged by what they have done. I think they have a clear plan. They want to emulate what the Eagles did last year by rushing the quarterback relentlessly, having fresh pass rushers come in and out of the game all game long. We are four deep in that area. Disrupt the quick passing game with press coverage and an ability to maybe pressure the quarterback from the inside. I think you're going to see a lot of these defensive ends kick inside and rush the quarterback from that position in nickel packages. Let's go ahead and get right into the edge players. There are a plethora of pass rushers here for the Dolphins. Cam Wake has been doing it for as long as anybody and as well as anybody, and I don't expect that to fall off anytime soon. Charles Harris, I expect big, big things out of him this year. He had some nice-looking games, especially at the end of the season last year. Robert Quinn comes over from the Los Angeles Rams, where he is in a better scheme fit for what he does. Hopefully, he can recapture some of that magic from 2013. William Hayes is a fantastic edge-run defender. He'll do that again for the Dolphins. That'll be strictly his position. He'll kick inside a little bit, maybe, as a pass rusher as well. And then Andre Branch kind of 
brings up the rear for this group. I think they're going to try to reduce his snap count this year going forward. And then Cameron Malveaux will be the sixth guy that makes the roster, taking out Jonathan Woodyard and then undrafted free agents Quincy Redmond and Claudia Mathieu. So this group, pretty deep, looks pretty solid. I think they could probably withstand an injury or two, which tends to happen over the course of the season. But you go inside to the interior of the defensive line, they are lacking beef still. Even though Jordan Phillips has a big body, doesn't really use it in the running game. So there could be a guy in in the market they look for. Maybe Jonathan Hankins is a guy they have their eye on for a post-June 1 signing. I would feel a lot better about this group if they brought him in because Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor... They don't really give you a whole lot from the pass rushing standpoint. They're both good run defenders that can hold their ground, good low pad levels, but there's just not a lot there to work with in terms of pass rushing on early downs. And the Dolphins could get beat in the running game because these guys, they're not consistent in that area. So behind them is Gabe Wright, and then a couple of undrafted free agents were added as well. So Jordan Phillips, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor all figure very heavily into the game plan in 2018, and we'll probably see another defensive tackle added at some point along the line. You go back to the linebacker position. This group has been remade just like the way the tight end group was. You have Rayquan McMillan coming back from an injury. Jerome Baker, the rookie, is back. Terrence Garvin was signed, and then a couple more guys were drafted late or undrafted free agents there. But Rayquan McMillan might be the most important player on this defense. He is going to come in, play the middle linebacker role, stay on the field for nickel coverage, possibly get him off the field for special teams because of what happened last year. But he's a guy that really has to play every game and play most of the snaps and be a big-time producer for the Dolphins in the middle of this defense. And the battle between Kiko Alonso and Jerome Baker for the nickel job should be very, very intriguing. I am team Jerome Baker all the way. More speed, more athleticism, more closing speed, ability to kind of rush the passer a little bit better, a better blitzer in that area as well. So we'll see how quickly he gets acclimated. And I'm also excited to see how Terrence Garvin and Stephon Anthony figure into things. They should have a good battle for that kind of third, fourth linebacker role, or, or I guess the fourth, fifth linebacker role behind Kiko Alonso, depending on what they do with him. And then you have Chase Allen still in the mix. He is a big, you know, run stuffing, downhill type of linebacker, kind of a throwback and kind of the guy that doesn't really fit the mold of what this new linebacker room looks like. You have Quentin Poling, the draft pick in the seventh round from Ohio. He gets into the mix as well. Great athlete there as well. So this group has been remade and looks a lot better. I'm going to go with McMillan, Baker, Alonzo, Anthony, Garvin, and then a battle between Chase Allen and Quentin Poling. And I guess you can throw Mike Hall in there as well for that last linebacker job. Going on to the cornerbacks, we look at this group. This is a big, big year for this group. They could really step forward or they could kind of make us rethink the entire position and go back into the draft next year with a big need there. Xavier Howard coming into year three started showing a lot of bite towards the end of the season. Obviously the four picks in the two games, one against the New England Patriots, even better to boot there. So he has a lot of expectations for himself. Cordrea Tankersley, I keep getting asked why I'm putting Tankersley over Tony Lippett and I can't really fathom why that's a question. Tankersley showed a lot of promise last year as a rookie. Good instincts for the position, both man and zone flexible. He has a lot to prove on the outside, and I think he could have another big year. He graded very, very high in Ian Wharton's cornerback handbook. If you guys recall, Ian Wharton come on the podcast here. He is at NFL Film Study, has a complete comprehensive cornerback grading system. He did. Took him months and months to do, and Cordray Tankersley graded out very well. And speaking of that, Bobby McCain was one of his best slot corners, and I figure Bobby McCain's going to get even more work this year. His snap count has in increased over the years he's been in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins he is a terrific terrific slot corner and I expect big big things from him 
And then you finally have depth with Lippitt on the roster. Torrey McTire will probably compete with Cornell Armstrong, the rookie, for the backup nickel job as possibly a fifth, sixth cornerback there. McTire showed a little bit last year, but going to have to do more this year to fend off the rookie. But Tony Lippitt coming off the Achilles, I just think he's a good depth player. He's a little bit stiff in what he does. He has great ball skills, obviously was a wide receiver, but I think he's a good backup. And if anything, it just prevents the Dolphins from having to play a guy like Alteron Werner significant reps in 2018. You go on to the safety position and and the Dolphins really, really upgrade here. They finally get Rashad Jones, a complimentary piece, a free safety that can move, that can cover center field, that can come down in the box and blitz. He can cover the slot. He can do everything. Mika Fitzpatrick is going to be a great, great player for the Miami Dolphins. Rashad Jones, I expect to have one of his biggest years just because of the fact he's going to have more freedom and not be so constricted into filling out certain roles for a safety that he had to kind of make up for with Nate Allen and even TJ McDonald last year. And speaking of TJ McDonald, he's going to have to find work as a linebacker, possibly the third safety that comes onto the field and moves Fitzpatrick into a more complimentary role in terms of the move piece, whereas McDonald could find himself on the field as the traditional safety in the dime package. So he'll get work, but it's not going to be as a primary starter anymore. And then beyond that, you have Maurice Smith and Walt Aikens battling for jobs. Walt Aikens is going to be on the roster because of his special teams. Maurice Smith going to have to prove that he can be a viable backup to Mika Fitzpatrick there. So specialist. I don't talk about the specialist that often. I don't like Matt Hawk's game, Matt Hawk's game, I should say, all that much. John Denny has been a stabilizing force for the Dolphins special teams for a decade now. I would not get rid of him. And then at kicker, the Dolphins made a draft choice. It was a Darren Rizzi specialist, a 71% kicker in college. That's not what you want to see, but it is just on 35 kicks. He has a huge leg, soccer style kicker. He can make him from 70 yards, the big type of kick guy. He has a high touchback percentage. And like we said, Darren Rizzi is a very well-renowned special teams coach. It was his specific pick. So he's the guy they're going forward with. And We'll see what happens in the kicking game. Hopefully we don't have the kicking game cost us any victories this year because in the overview of things, I see a real plan, a real vision with this team. They're going to be able to move the ball efficiently in a variety of ways. It's going to be a week-to-week game plan, attacking opponents' weaknesses with a variety of matchup issues of different types of players, both in the screen game to Grant and Wilson, taking advantage of slower linebackers with Gasecki and the running backs coming out of the backfield, stretching the field against that press man coverage with both Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, play action against the aggressive teams, take advantage of that, being a well-balanced, highly, highly short passing game, efficient based offense. And this offense is finally going to be Gaze's vision and Gaze's concepts through and through, both with the guys that do the things that he wants him to do. And just in terms of distributing the football across the entire field, across the entire roster. Now, defensively, this is a really promising young core that I really have a quite a bit of affinity for. You have 10 key contributors that are age 26 or younger, and some recent draft picks that are expected to have really step-up seasons this year. We talked about Raekwon McMillan, the fact that he's only hasn't played a game in the NFL. They expect big things out of him. Charles Harris had some big-time flashes last year, and then Xavier Howard, the same vein that way, had some big moments late in the season. Expect big moves from those guys. If those three guys can elevate their games to become like household names, this defense could really take off. So, The AFC is by far the worst of the two conferences. I don't think much of the Bills and Jets at all. I don't think they're anywhere close to the Dolphins, frankly, in terms of talent on the roster, coaching staff, all that stuff that goes into it. Those games tend to be key. Back in 2016, the Dolphins swept them to go 4-0 in those games, got to 10-6, got to the playoffs. Last year, they go 1-3, fall to 6-10. So because of sweeping both of those teams, 
getting six wins out of the other 12 games on the schedule. I have the Dolphins getting back to 10 and six. They get back into the postseason and everyone is happy once again with Adam Gaze and Ryan Tannehill. Possibly win a playoff game. We'll see. That's kind of a prediction down the line, but I think this is a double digit win team right now. And if you don't believe me and you buy into the national media hype, just go back and look at all the predictions that have led up to this point in terms of the way the roster was going to be built. And just real quick before we get out of here, we have some undrafted free agents to update you guys on. I posted them on LockedOnDolphins.com. There are a few that have signed already. Defensive end, Quincy Redmond out of Fairmont State. Offensive guard, Connor Hillen out of William & Mary. All these guys continue to check off these athletic measurement boxes, so keep that in mind. Offensive lineman from Purdue, David Steinmetz. Defensive end from Notre Dame College. That's in Ohio, not the other Notre Dame. Claudia Mathieu. Linebacker, Mike McCray from Michigan. Pretty excited to see what he can do. Defensive tackle, Jameis Pittman from Central Florida. Running back Gregory Buddy Howell from Florida Atlantic. He was highly productive there under Lane Kiffin. Cornerback Jalen Davis at Utah State. Defensive tackle Anthony Moten from Miami. And kicker Greg Joseph from Florida Atlantic who will compete with Jason Sanders for the kicker job. And that will do it for today's podcast, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out the number one rated blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow with a special guest on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. She's